Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a podcast brought to you by the Triad Network. This podcast is designed to share trending topics occurring within the world and our communities and bring them a behavioral and mental health perspective. Welcome to Behavioral Health Today. I'm your host, Dr. Graham Taylor. My guest today is Ashley Williams, a returning guest to our show. Ashley is an educator and emotional wellness advocate, mindfulness expert, and CEO of CLIMB. Realizing that the development of emotional intelligence skills in youth predicts later life outcomes, Ashley launched CLIMB, an interactive emotional wellness software program for school-aged children. Ashley was the 2022 Culture Builder of the Year for Baltimore, which honored her work to make children's happiness a policy priority. She also received the mayoral recognition for her advocacy work to advance emotional wellness for Baltimore City youth. Ashley is an alumnus of John Hopkins Social Innovative Lab and was recognized by the T. Rowe Price as a highlighted moonshot innovator. She has dedicated her career to helping individuals and organizations increase their overall happiness and satisfaction in life. Today's podcast with Ashley is part of our clinician series, where we get to take the discussion of our topic a few steps further. We're going to take a deep dive with Ashley today into a more practical, hands-on, experiential understanding of the what and the how regarding the application of her various therapeutic techniques, strategies, and constructs that are part of CLIMB and how she is working to grow children's mental wellness. Ashley, welcome back to our show. How you doing? Great. Nice to have you back. I'm happy to be back. Honestly, this is like one of my favorite things to talk about. (laughs) Well, I'm glad we're back being able to talk about it together. You know, I want to uh, encourage those listeners that haven't heard our first interview together, Ashley, to go back and give it a listen because you knocked it out of the park and it's really worthwhile to hear. But we're going to take a little bit deeper dive, like I said today. But as we get started, for those listeners that are listening for the first time, if you would give us a two-minute overview explanation of CLIMB and its primary focus and its purpose. Mm-hmm. I think I want to start first with emotional wellness, because when I talk about oh. CLIMB, I'm going to say CLIMB is an emotional wellness platform, but Great. that really doesn't mean much without that definition. So emotional wellness is the ability to essentially successfully handle life stresses and the ability Mm. to adapt to change in difficult times. It's the ability to have a level of self-awareness about your own emotional processes. There's a self-regulation component to it. But then the other component of emotional wellness is the ability to identify and empathize with other people and their emotional experiences. And so to bring CLIMB in, CLIMB is an emotional wellness software for school-age children. So we teach young people how to self-regulate really big emotions. We give them coping skills that they can carry around in their pockets. I love that. You're talking about the kind of our emotional intelligence. And, you know, the cool part about that, our IQ, our emotional quotient, you're pretty much born with that. You can increase a couple of things here and there, your, you know, fund of information. But for the most part, it's pretty set. Mm -hmm. But the cool part about what you're describing, the EQ is we can develop that. We're not born with that. That's something we're taught in the whole right. pieces. Yeah, which is a cool piece of this. And what you're saying also too is that emotional intelligence skills in youth, this is such a key thing, predicts later life outcomes. But you believe it's critical to a child's overall well-being through their critical years of development, including academic success, their mental health. Describe some of the areas of importance in a child's development that you see being furthered 
by the building of this emotional intelligence like you're laying out for us. Mm -hmm. I like what you said, Dr. Taylor, because, you know, emotional intelligence is a learned skill. The same way that you learn how to structure a sentence, you can learn this skill. And the earlier we teach this skill, the more successful our young people are. If you look at academics, for example, emotions influence our cognitive skills like Mm. attention, memory, decision-making, critical thinking, all of these skill sets play a very important role in how we learn, right, and in, in our yeah. academic performance. And then uh, positive emotions, when we learn the skill of self-regulation, those positive emotions can help us to broaden our perspective and yeah. help us to persist through failure, which, again, is a really important skill set when it comes to academic performance. So, Through teaching these skills, we're equipping our young people to be successful in and out of the classroom. Then we can look at mental health, which is a hot topic in our country right now because it's a pressing issue, not just for young people, but but for adults. And so when we are emotionally healthy, that means that we have the ability to navigate our thoughts, our feelings, our behaviors. We're able to cope with the challenges that often can inspire some mental health issues, right? So that puts us in the driver's seat, which is Mm -hmm. a wonderful place to be when it comes to your mental health. And then just for your overall life experience. When you have a healthy relationship with your emotions, when you have a high emotional intelligence, it doesn't just impact your mental health, it impacts your physical health. Like your body performs better, right? Think about what happens to your heart when cortisol is is released, when we're under a lot of stress. So these things have a real impact on our physical environments. When we have high emotional intelligence, we actually sleep better, Like we get better rest, we have higher relationship satisfaction, greater job satisfaction, and we even earn more over the course of a lifetime. So something as simple as teaching a skill to children in early age has an impact on every single part of their lives. It's like it's a really cool activator that you add to life and it just has this rippling effect in so many areas that sometimes we don't maybe fully appreciate or maybe we even kind of lessen because we're so focused on achieving and, you know, scores and grades and everything else. We forget that all of those are only going to be as good as you're emotionally mature. I know, I'm sure you do too. A lot of really smart people, with a lot of letters after their names who are just emotionally inept mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and just, you know, kind of socially and relationally spastic in mm-hmm. their ability to engage. And they're only as good until they get triggered. And then they drop down, no matter how smart they are, how much potential they have, if they drop down to that place where they're kind of emotionally and developmentally arrested, they're no good. And they struggle. They, you know, they even throw tantrums sometimes. And we see this all the time. And what you're saying is if people have this, you know, these abilities that are, you know, intellectually there or just, you know, whatever they do have or they're given or born with, man, can they be accelerated and accentuated with this emotional component that takes it to a whole other levels? Mhm mhm. I mean, and what you're describing is very familiar probably to to almost every listener. We all know that person right. who's brilliant but yeah. probably dissatisfied or disillusioned yes. or yeah. just limited. In limited in every yeah. in every way outside of yes. their area of brilliance. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And, exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah, but go with that. What you're saying is outside their area of brilliance. 
it's kind of scary for them and maybe even others around them. They're limited. Say more about that piece. I mean, and so what happens is through through developing your emotional intelligence, the world opens up to you in a new way. So you can navigate in spaces. You don't have to be brilliant or feel ineffective in certain places because you're developing resilience and curiosity, which is so important to being like a healthy global citizen um, on planet Earth. Yeah. You know what's cool about that? You're saying that, you know, Outside those areas of brilliance, those without a good EQ, social, you know, emotional intelligence, really struggle. So they oftentimes stay kind of narrow, kind of focused, kind of rigidly in their own kind of safe world. But you're, uh, if we were to flip that a little bit, maybe those that don't have an area of expertise, but with a good EQ and a good social and emotional intelligence, they can go anywhere they want to go. Mm-hmm. There's freedom to, I mean, they got like a passport to go into all kinds of areas with curiosity and good questions and a good sense of self and a good ability to cultivate opportunities. So you teach children, this kind of leads into this, how to cultivate a supportive environments in their lives. And I also know you want them to become kind of healthy contributors, let's say to their school community, as an example, what areas do you emphasize to achieve these things, the supportive environment and becoming contributors to their environment in their school? Yeah, so CLOM is based off of Castle's five competencies. We use social-emotional learning. So social-emotional learning is, if you can think of an umbrella, the umbrella is emotional wellness. Underneath that umbrella is SEL. SEL is one aspect of how to develop an emotionally intelligent human. And so social-emotional learning or SEL is just the process through which adults and children apply knowledge and skills so that they have these healthy identities, they can manage their emotions, they can have and achieve personal and collective goals, develop empathy for others. So again, SEL is just the process that you apply these skills. There are five competencies within it. So the first is self-awareness. How That's answering the question of I. How do I see myself in relationship to the world, to others in the world? Then the next one is self-management. How do I manage myself when I feel angry, when I feel overwhelmed, mm. when I feel joyful? Are my behaviors positive or negative in relationship to my emotions and the way that I express myself? The next is social awareness, which we just sort of talked about for some of our friends who, you know, outside of their areas of brilliance, they're socially inept. (laughs) Yes. They're struggling. And struggling, right? They didn't have your course. (laughs) Right. What is my relationship to others that I look like? and work with, and also people who are outside of my own cultural understanding. So social awareness speaks to not just your own culture, but how can you empathize with other people who are different? Like, what do you do with differences? And then relationship skills, which is tied into that as well. And then the fifth is responsible decision-making. So responsible decision-making going back to that, you know, those cognitive skills, those executive functions. And so CLOM teaches those five skills to the youth users. Isn't that awesome? I mean, talk about being able to be in the world with great self-awareness, awareness of other people in your lives, being able to kind of manage your, you know, your thoughts and feelings and emotions in those moments, be able to kind of manage, have some emotional muscle around those and in, in a way that you can kind of harness those and bring them into a relationship in a productive way. So there's responsible decision-making and the relationship skills with somebody else can be developed. So let's take those five and let's pretend maybe right now we can take a little bit deeper dive into the what 
and the how of Climb's online platform mm -hmm. and the process that I would go through as a student coming into your mm -hmm. program, if I was going to be assessed around my emotional health mm -hmm. and what specifically you'd be identifying for me. And then the way that you would offer me as one of your students, a really personalized plan mm -hmm. to improve my emotional awareness. Walk me through those. Okay, very cool. This is exciting. So okay. you've been given your CLOM account. You, you're, you've logged in. You're either on your laptop, your phone, a tablet. And the very first time that you log in, a survey is, is, is going to appear. The survey was developed at the University of Delaware to identify your areas of competence for those social-emotional learning skills. So it's going to assess your self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, relationship skills, and responsible decision-making. And it was developed for children in grades 3 through 12. And so once you finish with that survey, CLOM will know, wow, Dr. Taylor needs some support with his relationship skills. Or... Yes. You know, his self-awareness skills, we can work on that. Or actually, his responsible decision-making is really high. We, the software has that data. And then once it has that data, there's a dashboard. We call it a compass dashboard. So you always know exactly where you are. And cool. we use animation and emojis. Another quick check-in. Right now, I'm feeling angry right now. The software is going to say, here are three resources that meet you exactly where you are. Okay. The resources in the platform are anywhere from 30 seconds to three minutes. And so okay. one of your resources, for example, could be a mindfulness audio on what to do when you are angry, what to do with the anger that you feel inside of you. Another activity could be a stretch and movement activity that's going to help you to connect your breath to your body to induce the relaxation response in your brain oh, so that you can calm yourself. Another um, activity could be an article on how to be a good friend since the software knows that you need support with your relationship skills. You will get to pick which resource you want to engage with. Okay. So say you decide, I'm going to engage with this article. You can listen to the article. The software will read it to you. You can read it. After you finish engaging with the resource, the software is going to say to you again, Dr. Taylor, how are you feeling right now? So we can okay. do a pre-check-in and we can do a post-check-in. And then once on the post, you might say, hey, I'm feeling a little better, or maybe you feel the same. And all of that data is being aggregated. And then it also has some gamification in the platform. So you're going to earn badges and you're going to earn streaks. Weed for nice. your progress, for nice. your emotional wellness progress over time. We'll be right back after word from our sponsor. Whether you're a longtime or first-time listener to Behavioral Health Today, you're probably familiar with Triad, the company that brings you this podcast. But you may not know that Triad also hosts a community for current and aspiring behavioral and mental health professionals, featuring trending content and education and career resources, all for free. If you are a behavioral or mental health professional, or you're studying to become one, join more than 80,000 people on Triad by claiming your free professional account today. Visit us at hellotriad.com bht. That's hellotriad.com bht. And join the Triad community today. Really good. You know, I love this idea around calming some of those mindfulness stretches, you're talking about connecting my breath with my thoughts. And there is something so important, isn't there, about the ability to learn how to self-soothe in emotionally stimulated moments. That's everything. There's, all, there's, there's like a crossroads right there in that moment that can make or break everything. 
Expand that just a little bit more on the importance of that self-soothing, maybe persisting through failure or struggle as you've seen it play out. Yeah, I mean, this speaks to self-management and it speaks to perseverance and resilience, which are really the heart of and purpose of teaching these skills. Mm -hmm. So the ability to, one, be able to identify how you're feeling, and then two, to have a resource, a technique, a tool, a skill that you can use to redirect any negative emotions is what helps you to practice perseverance. So perseverance starts inward first. Often, often we get angry and the immediate thing we do is lash out. We yell, we throw things, or we might, some of us might freeze or we become very quiet and, you know, it's seeping out of you, but you're choosing not to say anything. And that sort of perpetuates more of the same. So basically in the brain, we all have these neural pathways that we've developed over time. So you're telling yourself you're going into the same neural pathway every single time because this is the response that you have built up over years. And so when we practice these tools, we basically create new neural Absolutely, It's neuroplasticity. So like that is what helps us to be resilient and that is what helps us to practice perseverance. So we want to get on the pathways of perseverance and it's not on the pathway of anger. And so if you want to get on that pathway, you kind of have to interrupt that habit that we form, that groove, that neural pathway. What you just said is such a dense amount of great information. You know, I love the idea that more times than not, probably anger that we respond with is probably a secondary emotion more times. than I mean, there's a place for righteous anger, yes, but more times than not, it's usually a secondary emotion, but it's safer. It's what we learn. It's what you're saying. That's kind of the, the, the neural pathways get some literal grooves in our brain. That's a, not the road we get to go down, deeply furrowed. But usually it's not our, our, our primary emotion. We're not really aware of really what's going on on the inside. And what your program helps people do is kind of stop, breathe, reflect. And then choose really what is going on first and start from that place. And there's a whole different sense of control around that. Anger's not controlling me now. I'm controlling me. So like you said, we kind of start within. And what I love too is that we do form neural pathways very early on. Little do we know it. And we keep going down that same path. But sometimes we come into situations in our lives where in in a situation and that path is so deeply grooved and etched that we go down that path just naturally. But it's really a false alarm. It's really not what's really relevant to that moment right now in that situation. Actually, it's a different situation, but we have the same response. And what you're saying is rather than respond to that false alarm, let's create some new pathways that actually fit the moment at at hand and also bring some control in these kinds of moments that come up in one's life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's right. You know, it's like the the prefrontal cortex is where all of the wisdom is. Like that's yeah. where all of the insight is. And it's a right. lot of times we fall into these grooves and we, and then we're like in the middle brain and the reptilian brain. It's like Perfect. all of the energy goes there. So we don't have access to our full intelligence. And that's what yeah. emotional wellness helps us to do. It helps us to have access to the full intelligence that is within us. That is so well put. That fight or flight That's right. kind of puts puts the higher functioning parts of our brain, self-regulation, reflection, you know, self-soothing. It kind of puts those things offline when we're in a fight or flight kind of red brain place. And what you're talking about is we can soothe and stop. We can access our full brain to come into that moment. What a hopeful, hopeful thing to be able to do. I know that when I've gone through the exercise that you just walked me through, what a cool, what a cool process you have laid out for me as a student. 
You said that the software also connects with keeping track of things and that can be connected with the teachers and also families too. Is that correct? That's correct. So all of the information, the data that I was mentioning from the survey, mm. from how the young people are feeling is communicated to the stakeholder. So as a parent, I can see, you know, Timothy is angry 30% yeah. of the time just to keep using that emotion yeah. or he, he's frustrated or fearful, however much he is. And then the school can kind of see what's going on with the entire student population. And the idea is that no kid falls in the crack. And it's not about labeling them emotions as good or bad. Like, no. I think that's really important for me to say, because I keep using that. I keep using anger as like an example. Anger is not a bad emotion, right? It's, it's just, just all about, it's yeah. just a feeling that yeah. can cause behaviors that can sometimes yeah. be problematic. But what we want to do is to teach young people how to just notice what they're feeling and what is inspiring that feeling. Like mm -hmm. what is the source from which that feeling arises? And so even that is a, such a subtle thing when you're communicating to parents and you're, and you're communicating to teachers because often we yeah. want to label emotions as good and bad. I like that idea of feelings and you're, what you're doing, you're reframing it, I think in the most helpful of ways. You're saying feelings are just like a thermometer, a barometer. It's indicating something that's going that's right. on for each one of us. It's just pointing that, hey, there's something here for you to pay attention to, whether it's a need or an experience, a struggle, that we get to sign and reframe is not good or bad. Just, hey, what is it? And how might we approach it in a way that's going to be in your benefit? Let, let, let's take this a wee bit deeper and maybe share some of your thoughts on how the SEL can benefit family engagement as well and some of the practices that you might encourage families to take from what they're learning in the classroom when you're with your online program into their home? You know, I think that in order for any SEL training to really take root, it is necessary for it to also exist in the home. You know, families are a child's first teacher, yeah. the, the child's first teacher. So it's so important that in the home, the family models yeah. all of the skills that they expect the young person to yeah. live out. And that means that as the adult in the household, and I am speaking as an adult in the household, I have a 10-year-old daughter, that it is on me to also practice those coping skills. It is on me to also empower my child to be a problem solver. It's yeah. on me to prioritize in my household healthy activities like exercise, right? But also creating the space for people to share their emotions. So establishing routines in my household so that, you know, this is what we do. This is how we do it. And also practicing kindness, having my daughter see me choose kindness when I can choose something else, but yeah. see me choose kindness and giving her the space to name and express her emotions. Those are all different ways as adults that we can help our young people practice it. And again, it just goes back to to actually modeling that behavior. You know, the the saying do as I say, not as I do, right. that doesn't work with this <laughs> because no. the young people are always going to model what you actually do. It's louder than any think. words. Yeah, it's that, louder than any right. words could be used. Yeah. That's I think right. that's a really good reminder. I'm also thinking as, you know, as in, in our home, and I love the importance of this being emphasized, we learn about ourselves, the world, relationships, how to be from our families. 
Mm-hmm. And that's the that's the most important institution that we have in our nation. As the, any nation will only be as good as a family is strong. Mm-hmm. And what you're saying here is, if we can cultivate these things in the in the home, boy, how how encouraging and how strengthening that's going to be from what they're learning in the school through your program. But I'm also aware of you know the kind of the generational transmission, mm-hmm. one generation to the next, the generational legacy of things about how we you know, relationship patterns or the expression of emotions or problem solving. We do what we know, and that's what the previous generation did above us or modeled. How do we take that and do something new? So I'm imagining that there's opportunities for the parents maybe to learn for the very first time. Some of the things that their children are learning for the very first time. Talk about how maybe you support the the parents learning so that they can bring that into the family environment. Mm-hmm. A lot of times that's happening through like a school parent partnership. Schools will offer workshops and trainings to parents. So I, I really encourage parents to contact their schools because that is a viable pathway nice. to learn, one, how do I develop these skills in my own experience? Like I, I might can get the data and understand what's happening with my young person through Quam, but what am I supposed to do with that data? Yes, um, yes. And so that's a part of the training that we provide when we work with the school so that they know how to communicate with parents um, as yeah. well about that. So connecting with schools about what they offer is definitely something that I would suggest, as well as to look around in your communities to see what's available um, in terms of learning the, the skills. I think having some gumption about getting the training is the most important thing. Like figure out where it is because it's here. Like even just Googling, you know, how do I learn how to practice SEL as a parent? That's the perfect place to start. I can't remember the last time I've heard anybody use the word gumption, (laughs) but I love that word because, you know, I've talked to people before and given talks and they said, well, you know, I wasn't raised that when I didn't, you know, didn't do it. And I lovingly say, Learn mm-hmm. because your kids need you to learn this and learn it for yourself too. You're you, in the same way you're talking about how kids' lives can be so enhanced and accentuated in areas. It's not too late for the parents either. We can learn th- this SEL, you know, emotionally quotient areas of growth any in, at any age. And so mm-hmm. you're saying, hey, let's have the gumption to take some steps into this. And I know you're even encouraging, you know, parents in the home how to be good listeners, you know, mm-hmm. focusing on the kids' strengths and learning how to ask about feelings. And maybe for the very first time, they're doing this from scratch. What are some of the encouraging things you say to parents or teaching them regarding listening to their children in the home? Mm -hmm. To just keep going. You know, like anything, if it's new, give yourself room to make mistakes. The thing that catches adults in this when we start to work with our children is that we make mistakes along the way and then we start to judge ourselves and we feel bad. And so then the behaviors that we're modeling are not good again because we're stuck in like this cycle of self-judgment, which makes me lash out at my kid or which makes me not even participate and partake in the techniques and the tools. So just be gentle with yourself and to keep going. Like, it's okay if you make a mistake with your kid to say, I'm sorry, I did yeah. not mean to to speak to you in that way. It's totally fine. In fact, that's that's modeling healthy behavior. It's okay to not have the answer. So we're not making saints of ourselves. No. What we're doing is making ourselves vulnerable and willing and, and receptive to getting better. We're being eager learners. And I think 
as adults, sometimes we have this facade that we know it all, but a willingness to show our children that we're learning too helps them to cultivate that sense of being a, a lifelong learner, which is a really important skill for emotional wellness. You never come to a conclusion where I'm finished. There's always room for growth. I love your emphasis and encouragement for parents just to lean into this, to try it on. And you know, the research shows that we don't have to be perfect parents. In fact, the research shows we just need to be good enough. How freeing is that? I don't have to be, you know, have it nailed the first time and I can be vulnerable and I can make mistakes and I can ask, you know, to, for someone to forgive me and apologize. And, mm-hmm. but I got, all I got to do is to lean into it. And that, that, that intent and the heart behind that is such a powerful motivator for our kids to then take some risks themselves as well. How, how many, how many kids are you guys servicing and how many schools is this program involved with? So we work with about 10,000 uh, kids right now at, at schools across the U.S. And next year, you know, we're looking at about 50,000 kids um, Wow! Mm-hmm, at schools across the United States. That is incredible growth, mm-hmm. Ashley. Yeah, it's exciting. That is exciting. So let's talk about, obviously, the medicine is working, if mm-hmm. we could say it that way. Things, the, your outcomes are basically, sounds like, and has to be driving your growth. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. What, what do you what do you seeing people walk away with young people walk away with into their adult years from having gone through this program? So we just finished an IRB study in partnership with the American Heart Association, and we gathered data around how CLOM impacts school climate and culture, as well as the SEL growth over time, social emotional learning competency growth over time. And we looked at those five competencies. Across the board, there was growth in all five competencies. This was a four-month study that we did. And then there was also noted improvement in climate and culture. 55% of uh, CLOM users show emotional wellness growth um, over time. And somewhere like 80% of um, our users enjoy CLOM so much, our youth users say that they would tell a friend about it, which is like, for me, really amazing that the kids feel like they have a resource that they love Mm -hmm. enough to tell a friend about. So, so definitely CLOM is helping the young people to CLOM in, in their emotional wellness journey. I like that piece. You know, I I read some of that report, actually. And I know that what's kind of cool about that, it shows increased mood, improved focus, greater emotional well-being, increased resilience, improved emotional regulation, you know, 70% plus demonstrated better behavior. These are tangible, measurable, impactful areas of growth that really, like you talked about earlier at the very beginning of our time today, affect everything else that we do in the classroom, in our relationships. And I'd like to take it just a wee bit further. I know that the mental and emotional and behavioral disorders in our world will cost the world about $16 trillion by 2030 in healthcare, criminal justice, workdays lost. And just by increasing our emotional intelligence and improving our emotional health, we can change this course like what you're describing here. And this is, this is something that literally gets this next generation of young people coming in with a foundation that can make or break everything in their life. And the coolness, as you said earlier, this is an emotionally learned skill. And by helping our young people develop this emotional intelligence, climb, you guys are you guys are kind of a vehicle for, you know, global good, if we could say it that way, because I think it's really true. I also know that a study through Columbia regarding social emotional benefits, 
every dollar spent on this equals an $11 yield on long-term benefits, improved mental health, reduced juvenile offenses, like I said earlier, higher lifetime earnings, like you said at the beginning of our time, and another cool piece in which we really need these kinds of young people being engaged in our civic engagement, in our civic you know, commitment to things and contributing to our community. This is amazing, Ashley. Yeah, like this is why this is my why. Like everything this is your you just why. Said, Let's get you up in the morning. Why. Yep, <laughs> I mean because it impacts us on a global scale. Like I think about this as like social work. This is how we yeah. move our society forward. All of the conversations that we have about how do we do this as a society, how do we do this as a society, and like those conversations get easier when we do this. You know, because our young people are our future leaders and doctors and, you know, they should have these skills so they can move into into their professions with greater access to creativity and and resilience and really take us as humans further than we've ever gone before. Really good. Well, we're kind of winding down for today. We could probably go on and have some fun and just talk more and more about the application of this because it's so widespread. But uh, give our listeners today some resources on how they can find out more about you and also find out more about CLIMB. Yeah, you can learn more about CLOM by visiting our website. And so CLOM is spelled with a Y instead of an I. So C-L-Y-M-B. Our website is www.clymbupclimbup.io. And nice. you can also contact me via the website as well. Excellent. Well, Ashley, it's been great to have you back. Thanks for taking us on a deeper dive in this clinician series. It's always great to be with you. This is wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. I also want to thank you, our listeners, for dropping by and joining Ashley and me today. It's always great to have you with us. Regarding our episode today, I want to remind you that it and an archive of all of our other episodes and resource materials can be found on our webpage at triadhq.com bht. Thanks again for being with us on the show, and we'll look forward to having you back with us next time on Behavioral Health Today. We appreciate all the support from our community, and if you like our show, one of the best ways you can support it is by giving us a five-star rating and leaving a review. Behavioral Health Today is a podcast part of the Tribe Network, all rights reserved.